Good morning, everyone. My name is Gavin. I'm one of the leaders here, and I'm going to be carrying on our series in Matthew this morning. And we started this a couple of weeks ago, and we've got a bit of a juicy passage today. We've got lots of um, good stuff in here today, which will really help us to focus on God. So I hope you're going to enjoy today's talk. All right. Um, but first of all, before I get into the talk, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Is anyone here the type of person who gets hungry? Have you got any hangry people here? I can see one. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what hangry is? Some of our internationals might not know what hangry is. Okay. Hangry is when you are so hungry that you change, you transform into this evil being. And you get hangry. All right. Let me, um, let me give you an example. Okay, so my, my daughter, Eden, all right, you might have seen her. She's quite cute, you know, she's, she's very cute. She's got a cute little face. But when she gets hungry, she becomes a monster, all right? <laughs> if you are late for dinner by two minutes, she transforms into a beast, okay? And a few weeks ago, me and Haley were in the kitchen cooking some dinner, all right? And uh, dinner was five minutes later than it should have been. And we heard this commotion coming from the living room. And I thought, what on earth is happening? And then Eden comes stomping out of the living room and she says, I don't like my baby brother. I want him to go in the bin. I want him to go in the recycling bin right now. <laughs> and, and part of me was quite like, she wants to recycle. Like, you know, we care about the planet. But um, yeah, hungry is a real thing. And uh, I want you to just bear that in mind, because today's passage is starting from a point of Jesus being very, very hungry, all right? He's fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, and he's starving, all right? Thankfully, Jesus isn't hungry like Eden, but we'll have a look today at what happens to him. While you open up your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Matthew 4, and we're going to be reading from verse 1. The words will come on the screen behind me. Brilliant. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord God, your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I'll give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. We've got a lot going on in that story, haven't we? We've got a lot to talk about this morning. Let's just um, set the scene, okay? So this part of the story, this part of the Bible narrative happens just after Jesus' baptism, okay? So last week we had our baptism morning and we celebrated people getting baptized. We had a great celebration um, and Raj spoke all about baptism last week. Um, so Jesus gets baptized and he had this wonderful moment of revelation where God says to him, this is my son who I'm pleased with. 
And the Holy Spirit kind of comes and says, this is my son who I'm pleased with. And Jesus is on a real moment of high after his baptism. It's like, okay, this is the start of the mission. This is where it all starts for Jesus. And then suddenly we pick up this passage a couple of verses later, and it starts with Jesus was led by the Spirit in a wilderness to be tempted. Okay. And you know, this is a classic biblical example of something that we see every day in our lives. Quite often when we go through moments of spiritual high, when things are going well in our walk with God, straight after that comes a time and a period of difficulty, a time of temptation, and sometimes even a time of wilderness. And you know, it always happens with baptism. When people get baptized, they're publicly declaring that they've decided to follow Jesus. And more often than not, straight after people's baptism, they'll go through a difficult time. They'll face hardship. They'll face temptation. But what I want to say to you this morning is that this experience of facing temptation, and sometimes even our Bibles, I think they're sometimes labeled up wrong, all right? Because we see Jesus tempted in the wilderness after his moment of success. But really, it's not just about being tempted. It's also about being tested. All right, it's not just about being tempted, but it's also about being tested. Because look at verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Like God was in this. Jesus was led into the wilderness for a period of spiritual growth. Growing in his reliance on God. Exercising some spiritual muscles, we could say. And you know, that's sometimes how it is with us, all right? Sometimes God leads us into times of testing and difficult seasons as if to say, look, I need you to grow spiritually. I need you to be stronger. I need to work some muscles on you. I need to stretch your faith because if we're going to grow on this adventure together, if I'm going to use you for your um, purpose, if I'm going to use you to reach people, I need you to grow. I need you to be strong. So we need to see times of testing, not as the be-all and end-all, but as periods of growth, almost like hitting the gym in a kind of spiritual way, all right? Look, we should expect times of tempting. We should expect difficulties, but we should see them as tests and not the be-all and end-all. It's not like God abandons us and says, you're going to suffer. It's not like God says, there you go, you face this temptation on your own. No, this is God putting you in a situation that he's in control of so that you can grow in your faith. So that you can grow closer to him. And so that you can become shaped and developed for all that he's called you through. Look, maybe you're facing a time of temptation at the minute or a time of testing. Maybe life feels tough for you. Maybe you need to remember this morning that God is in control. Maybe you need to remember that he is in control this morning and press into him and seek him. Where is he in the situation that you're facing? So Jesus goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. 
That's a lot of fasting, by the way. After we're 40 minutes without eating, like 40 days without food? It's mad. Okay. And Jesus didn't eat for 40 days, and then we're introduced to this other character in the story, the devil. Right, now don't switch off on me. I can see you all. I mentioned the D word. I can see you all cringing, okay? The devil is in this story, all right? And I think as Christians, sometimes we're scared to talk about the devil, aren't we? In case people think we're weirdos. We're scared to talk about the devil. And do you know, we as a society and as people, we've kind of portrayed the devil over the years as some sort of cartoon character or pantomime villain or mascot of the most evil organization in the world, Manchester United. (laughs) (laughs) We see the devil and we think, yeah, this is a nice idea, but we don't really believe in this thing, right? Like, we find it easy to believe in this good spiritual being, the creator of all things, but we find it difficult to believe in someone bad, in something bad. Why is that? Look, I'm going to give you a bit of a famous theologian quote now. So the famous theologian Kanye West said it like this in one of his songs. He said, the devil is alive, I feel him breathing. The devil is real, I'm afraid, the Bible talks openly about the devil. It uses various names for him, um, various titles, Satan, the serpent, the ruler of his world, the deceiver, the evil one, the prince of the power of the air, the, the enemy, and various other titles. The devil is real. Sorry to say it. He was the originator of sin. He deceived and tempted Eve, who in turn led Adam to sin. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later on this morning. But Satan always comes to destroy the work of God. He used lies and deception to try and lead people away from their God-given purpose. It's what we see of Adam and Eve, and it's what we see him try to do with Jesus in today's passage. His intention is to lead us away from God and create a barrier which stops us from being used by God for his purposes. What we need to remember, though, about Satan, okay? We don't get obsessed with Satan. We need to remember that his power is limited by God. We see that in the book of Job, where Satan can only affect Job's life in the way that God allows. All right? His power was limited. And I think sometimes we forget that. We sometimes forget that. So just to say to you this morning, the devil is real. He's alive. But at the end of the story, he's defeated, isn't he? Yeah, we know that. We can, we can cling to that truth. At the end of the story, he's defeated, and Jesus has a victory. But what he does do in this story, the devil, he tempts Jesus in Jesus' moment in the wilderness. When Jesus was hungry, when he was isolated, when he was tired, the devil took the opportunity to um, approach him and try and lead him into temptation. And this is something we need to expect as Christians, okay? When we decide to follow Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus, his enemy becomes our enemy. We're opened up to the devil, and, and the devil tries all sorts of things to put us off. Do you know, I've had an absolutely awful week this week. I need you guys to know that. I'm preaching on the devil, I'm preaching on Satan. We've had an awful week. It started with a terrible Alpha evening, it went on to a terrible Tuesday. We went away on a holiday as a family, came home early because my son wasn't well. I went out for a run this morning and realized I couldn't run fast anymore. I had a terrible week, all right? I had a terrible week. But that's what we should expect 
Look, when we are approaching and talking about the devil, we're going to face difficulties. And guys, I'm sorry to be the bringer of bad news, and I need to break it to you that we will face temptation. The devil doesn't want us to flourish. Last week, Raj uh, preached the gospel to us, didn't he? Some people responded to that last night. Rob um, said someone responded to the gospel, became a Christian. But it's amazing when you become a Christian, but actually the devil gets in there after that as well, doesn't he? And he brings temptation, he brings difficulty. Those guys who've, who've responded to the gospel are going to face hardship. That's something we've got to expect. But as Jesus demonstrates perfectly in this passage, if we recognize the plans and schemes of the devil, we can deal with them. Okay, that's the good news. So let's have a look at some of those. Let's talk about um, temptation, all right? I've quoted one famous theologian this morning already. I'm going to quote another. This is what the Arctic Monkeys say in one of their songs, okay? Any fans of the Arctic Monkeys, by the way? Are we like that in church? Oh, you too. Woo! This is what the Arctic Monkeys say in one of their songs, okay? Temptation greets you like your naughty mate. The one who used to get you in bother, but you could never bring yourself to hate. Okay, temptation's like that, isn't it? We get tempted so often, but we kind of like it. Like when it comes to temptation, um, it keeps calling us back every time. Something about being tempted is attractive to us. Like, would it be that bad if I just did this? Like, surely one little look on that website won't hurt. Like, it's just one little lie that won't hurt anyone. I just got for one coffee with this person, just as friends, you know, it won't lead to anything. Something about temptation gets us every time. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of it. There's something attractive about being tempted. So let's have a look at how the devil tries to tempt Jesus. Look at our passage. See, the enemies, um, he uses three different tactics to try and tempt Jesus. First of all, we see in verse three, the devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What he's really saying there is, do it in your own strength. Don't wait for God. Do it in your own strength. You don't need to trust God. You forget that God's brought you here. You don't need to trust that God will provide. Do it yourself. Turn your stones into bread. I know you can do it. That's what he's saying. And I'm sure in that moment, Jesus would have been well aware of his power. He would have been well aware that he could easily turn turn those stones into bread. Bob's your uncle. We got some bread. Jesus could have easily done it. I'm sure Jesus would have loved nothing more than a couple of baguettes in front of him with a bit of butter and some jam. Jesus would have been aware of that. But the devil uses this classic form of temptation to say, actually, do it in your own strength. And this is a classic thing that we face as believers. The temptation is there to do it in our own strength, to try and make it all about us, to try and go through life focusing on ourselves and not on God. So then we don't pray about anything. We don't seek God's on any decisions that we make. We do our own thing. We ignore God completely. That's a temptation that we face. And you know, for a while it works. Focus on yourself works for a while. Sometimes you go on adventures and you have fun and good things sometimes happen, but eventually it leaves you feeling empty. When you don't focus on God, when you don't follow his plans, when you try and do things in your own strength, it leaves you feeling empty because when you fall down, it's difficult to get back up in your own strength. 
You know, doing things in your own strength can feel easier at times. Like, I know I shouldn't be in a relationship with this person, but it's just easier to stick around. I know I shouldn't fiddle my taxes, but it's just easier. Get a bit more money out of it. No one really finds out. This job or this move, this isn't from God, but it's all right. It's fine. It's easy to do it. See, that's exactly what the devil wants. The enemy will have us neglecting God's path for an easier human path. That's why it's tempting, because it's easy. But we need to resist that, and we need to look at what the Bible says. We need to do things in God's strength. Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We need to do it in God's strength. If not, it's all going to come crashing down. What about this one? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Not I can do all things through myself and my own awesomeness. No, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The answer is clear. We need to follow God in all things. We need to go in his strength. That's the key and that's the answer. Jesus says, take his yoke because it's easy and his burden is light. Partner with him. Walk with him and you'll thrive. That's the opposite message to the message the enemy wants to give us. But the second way we see Satan tempting Jesus is found in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up with their hands, so you don't uh, strike your foot against a stone. Can you see what he's doing here? The way he's tempting us is he's saying, um, you've got to manipulate God into action. Or in other words, ignore his timing and his plans. That's the way they were tempted. And this is a smart move from the enemy because he knows that God protects. And he knows that Jesus has a mission on earth. He knows Jesus is here for a reason. And because of that, he tries to tempt God and put God to the test. And this is a dangerous game, but it's a really common one, isn't it? Because sometimes we end up believing the enemy and we ignore God's timing and we forget about him and we try and plan things a better way. Let me give you an example from my own life. I remember going back a few years now, I was in quite a a rubbish job, really. I just dropped out of uni and I was working in this backstreet coffee shop in Darlington, okay? And I absolutely hated it. I used to wear a bright orange uniform and serve old ladies tea and get told off because the hot water wasn't hot enough. I don't know how. I mean, answers on a postcard. Um, I hated this job. And I did the right thing. I, you know, I was a Christian. I was a follower of Jesus. I did the right thing. I, I met with some friends who I used to live with, and we prayed about it. And we said, Lord, please just tell us what you're doing through this. Or even better, find me a new job. And as we were praying, we really felt strongly, all of us, God saying, you need to be there. God's training you. God's building, he's working on your character. This is a season where he's going to grow. You need to be in that job. And we all got that word. And that was a good thing. The problem was, I didn't want to listen to that word. I I didn't like that job at all. So I started applying for jobs. I applied for several jobs. I got quite a few interviews. But each time I would apply and a job would open, the door would be shut. It's like God was playing a game with me. Like I'd go for an interview, the door would shut. I got offered a job. I was ready to start and it kind of fell through at the last minute. Eventually, I realized, actually, the enemy was trying to show me this path to do things outside of God's timing. But actually, what I needed to do was just focus on God. 
And I'm sure that period in the coffee shop lasted longer because I spent so much time not growing and not working on my character that I was kept there longer until God could actually do what he needed to do. We try and do things in our own strength. And the enemy will quite often point at our immediate circumstances and he'll say, you can do better. You can do better in your own timing. You don't need to wait for God. You can do better. You can get something better. Did God really tell you to wait? These are some of the things that the enemy can do. But as soon as we start to give in to that temptation, we fall into difficulty. You know what's really interesting about this part, by the way? The devil actually quotes scripture at Jesus. You notice that? The devil quotes from the book of Psalms, completely out of context, but he he quotes from the book of Psalms. And this can sometimes happen. The devil can work like that. Let me give you a real theologian this time. Phil Miller puts it perfectly. He says, what the enemy lacks in innovation, he wakes up for in imitation. What the enemy lacks in innovation, he makes up for in imitation. Okay, sometimes we can give in to temptation because you start to think, actually, what the devil's saying makes sense. It might even be backed up with some part of the Bible which is twisted out of context. This is something we need to be mindful of, by the way. Yes, all scripture is God-breathed, all scripture is from God, but we need to learn to interpret the Bible and fit it into context and apply it today. Because if not, it can be a dangerous thing. That's the second way that Jesus gets tempted and we get tempted. The third way is found in verse 8. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I'll give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And you know, sometimes we can get tempted to worship other things, can't we? That's a big temptation. We can put other things before God. It's a classic thing that happens and it can look attractive. We can be tempted by money. We can put money before God or family or career or another person or a computer game or a car or a political movement or ideology. Anything, it's easy for us to end up worshipping something that isn't God. But what we know is that that can never work in the long term. See, it's no coincidence that this is a moment that Jesus snaps at the devil. He's like, get away from me, Satan. Because this is the most dangerous of all of the temptations. Putting things before God is a dangerous game. More dangerous than any of the other ones we've talked about this morning. You know what the problem is though? It's so easy for it to happen. Like we might not set out with the intention to put something like a job or money before God. But then we get offered a chance to work an extra shift on Sunday for a bit more money. So we take it. We're like, okay, I'll work on Sunday. And then next week, we get offered a chance to work again and again. And suddenly, it's two months since we were at church. You can see how it happens. I'm not saying it's all about church, by the way. I'm not saying that your faith's built on church attendance. But sometimes, um, you can end up getting tempted to you know, go after things like jobs or money. And then it's been a whole week since you, or a whole month or even longer since you last got together with other Christians. Or even worse, prayed or read your Bible. It's so easy to happen. It can happen so easy. Please don't put anything before God. Don't make anything else Lord of your life. That's what the devil wants to tempt us into doing. We need to be committed to loving and serving God alone. That's our number one priority. It's about him. So there we have three big ways that we can be tempted on our walk with God. First of all, we're tempted to do things in our own strength. 
Second, we're tempted to ignore God's timing. And third, we're tempted to put other things before God and worship them instead of him. Because it's really important to recognize how we could be tempted, but it's also important to look at Jesus and how he dealt with that temptation. Because what we see here, and remember, by the way, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience, okay? So the Jews would have been well aware of the Israelite people being tested in the wilderness in the Old Testament, all right? And they failed those tests and they messed up. But what Jesus does is he passes those tests. So the guys reading this would have thought, oh, maybe this is the Messiah. He passed the tests with flying colors, and let's have a look how. You see, the one thing we see from Jesus is a real knowledge and a real reliance on Scripture, okay? He faces up to each of the temptations by quoting the Bible right back at the devil. Not out of context, that the devil did, but in context, He says, it is written. He points to the unchangeable truth that we find in the Bible. That's what he points to. He doesn't point to a situation. because See, Jesus could have easily said, hey, do you know what? Just like 40 days ago, I got baptized, and God said he he was proud of me. He could have pointed to that moment, couldn't he? He could have said, I felt great. God loves me. God pleased me. He could have said that, but he doesn't. He doesn't focus on something temporary, like a feeling good. He focuses on Scripture. He says, it is written. Because this is unchanging, you know. We forget that. In today's society, it's easier for us to decide and say, it doesn't apply today. This is unchanging. Check out this quote from another uh, Bible teacher. This is a guy called Michael Green. He says, after a high spiritual experience such as baptism, temptation frequently comes, and it properly comes It sorts out the emotional high from the reality of spiritual conquest and growth. We are not meant to live on spiritual highs. If you've come into Christianity thinking it's all about spiritual highs, I've got bad news for you. It's really not. This is really important. If we're going to face temptations, if we're going to pass the tests like Jesus does, we don't just want to rely on the good times. We don't just want to rely on good worship experiences or great moments with God. I see with our young people all the time, they'll go away to New Day and they'll be like, oh, this is so good. I worship God with all my mates. We pray together and then they get home and it's like, because they focus on the good experiences. They focus on the spiritual highs. But we can't live like that. When we feel tempted to believe lies about ourselves or lies about God, we need to look in the Bible and see what it actually says about us. We need to look in here and see what it actually says about God. We need to find out what is God really like. We don't believe lies, we believe scripture. Jubilee, one of our spotlights as part of our church vision is to see the word in everything. We want this church to be filled with people who love the Bible. People who are passionate about studying it and going deeper into it. And that goes for our young people as well, by the way. We need you guys to grasp this. As a church, we need to grasp this. Look, dealing with temptation involves modeling Jesus, all right? We see in in, in the Bible that Jesus deals with temptation. If we're going to deal with temptation, we've got to model Jesus. And as Christians, the way that we model Jesus, the way we become more like Jesus is spending time with him. It's spending time in his presence. It's spending time praying worshipping, reading the Bible, 
Look, if you're not doing those things, don't be surprised if you can't model Jesus. If you ain't praying, you ain't worshiping, you ain't getting stuck in a word, don't be surprised when you're given a temptation because how can you model Jesus if you ain't spending time with him? Look, what we need to remember is that temptation is normal. We should expect it. But giving in a temptation and sinning, that's, not, that's, that's a no-go. That's the thing we want to avoid. Temptation in itself is not sin, but giving into it is. Look, Jesus endured temptation. He passed the test and he overcame to show us that it's possible. Jesus overcame to show us that it is possible. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human, right? He experienced the temptation that we face. He was hungry. He was tired. He was isolated, but he still overcame. What a lesson for us. Look, if I could get the band back up, that would be great. I'm nearly finished, but I just want to speak um, directly to you for a second. See, I think there's going to be a number of people here this morning who are facing temptation at the moment. I think there's a number of us who are facing different types of temptation. For some of you, it might be sexual temptation, maybe issues with pornography or something similar. For others, there might be temptation of avoiding God's plan for your life. Maybe you know God wants you in tea sides. Maybe you know God wants you here, but you're looking at moving away. Maybe there's a job situation, you know God's calling you to that job, and you're looking elsewhere. For some of you, there might be some temptations to claim extra benefits or money you shouldn't be doing. For some of you, there might be the temptation to go back to drink or drugs, things that you've avoided in the past or you've got uh, kind of obsessed with in the past that have caused you problems. For others, there's a temptation to just get angry. Maybe you're facing a family situation at the moment and you just want to get angry. Maybe the situation you want to explode, you want to tell people exactly how it is. There's a temptation there. Look, there'll be a whole range of temptations that people are facing this morning. Loads that I don't have time to mention. But what I want to encourage you to do this morning is cling to Jesus. Know that God is with you in this situation. Know that Jesus overcame so that you can overcome. He is with you in this. Look, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. This is a bit. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. Do you hear that? Whatever temptation that you're facing this morning, it's not beyond God's control. He's with you in it. Some of you need to hear that this morning. There's a way out of this temptation. It doesn't need to consume you. Why don't we stand? I'd love to pray. Look, come and receive from him this morning. As the band plays, don't feel weighed down and burdened with temptation this morning. Don't leave this place this morning weighed down by that temptation. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to bring help to those who are being tempted. Allow him to bring help to you this morning. Allow him to bring peace this morning.
Why don't you stretch out your hands? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Father God, I thank you so much, God, that you don't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, God. I thank you that you walk with us through difficulties, through temptation, through trials, God. You walk through those with us because you overcame. And we don't face these things in our own strength, but we face them with you by our side, God, equipping us and empowering us, God. I thank you that you give us the most perfect example in Jesus, God. Pray for us this morning, God. For those dealing with um, issues of pornography, God, I pray right now, God, would you just come and minister to them, God. Come and reveal yourself to them and let them know that they are not in this situation on their own, God. For those facing issues with money, God, I pray right now, would you come and minister, Lord. Issues of anger, God, I pray right now, would you come and take it away, Lord. Would that feeling of, of built up anger ready to explode, would it be gone this morning, Lord. We pray against drink and drugs. Guys facing difficulties of temptation in that area, God, I pray, would you come right now and bring freedom? Pray, would we experience freedom this morning, Lord? And other temptations that we're not aware of, God, the secret things in people's hearts, I pray right now, would you come and speak to them? Holy Spirit, would you just come and just be ministering to people in this room, Lord? God, I pray, would no one leave this morning still bound up, still wrapped up in chains. Would there be freedom this morning, freedom from the temptation, God? Come, Lord. Yeah, just continue to receive from him. God knows what you're facing. God knows the temptation, but it might be helpful for you just to tell him in your heart. Give it to God. What is it that you're facing? What is that temptation? What is that area? Is it pride? For some people, it might be pride. There's a, you know, there's an issue. There's a temptation to make it all about you. Give it to God. Give it to God. Yeah, Father, come, I pray, would you just come? Bring freedom right now. Bring freedom from temptation. Yeah, I feel like some, God is speaking to me now. I feel like there's um, someone who's kind of, when I was speaking about um, doing things in your own strength and, and forgetting about God's time, and I feel like there's someone who's uh, dealt with a, a health issue or a health problem for so long and you've prayed so many times, you just think, do you know what? Forget about you, God. You can't, you can't fix this. You can't fix this. I'm going to make this about me. You can't fix it, so I'm going to look at lots of different ways to fix this. You've looked at maybe some new age medicine or new age practices. You've been tempted by that because God's not fixed the problem. God wants to say today, come to him. Come to him. Rely on his timing. He'll bring healing in his timing. He'll be teaching you things. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. The band is just going to lead us in a, in a song, and um, why don't we keep receiving from God?